Gina Della from Pella. Choose five years no interest and five months no first payment or 10-year 2.99 APR financing. Ends August 31st. Set your free consultation today at PellaWI.com slash radio or 855-PELLA-WI. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the program. Again, we are on the remote on the road broadcasting live from our mobile broadcast facility. We are at the club at Lock LaBelle. This is the introductory WTMJ golf outing. We've got, I think, like over 80 golfers out on the course. Um, they're all out enjoying the day. I'm here broadcasting, and we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Let us get right to it. I. It, it is unfair to say that... A particular individual might be stupid or might be an idiot. You can, however, say that there are things that individuals do which are incredibly stupid or idiotic. And to that extent, and I know Steve Scafidi was mentioning this briefly, we start off on the program by something coming out of the Dane County criminal justice system. Now, criminal justice is, of course, in some respects, it's an oxymoron, because I think you can make a very strong argument that there's not a lot of justice which is done to criminals. Matter of fact, criminals, by and large, are unfortunately able to pretty much get away with doing whatever they want to do. But we now, we are so concerned about the bad guys, and we're so concerned about the criminals, that we want to be in a situation where we don't want them to be offended. So here is the new Dane County Sheriff, Calvin Barrett. He says that from now on, those people who are incarcerated in the Dane County Jail, who are serving time or awaiting trials or whatever, they are not going to be referred to as inmates even though they are, in fact, inmates. And if they're serving time for something that they are convicted of, and they are, therefore, convicts by definition, we are not going to call them convicts. Why? Because it might hurt their feelings. They may be stigmatized by the fact that they're being referred to as an inmate. Gee, you stuck a gun in some woman's, at some woman's head, you pistol whipped her, you took her car, but we don't want you to feel bad about being called a convict or being called an inmate. So, what does the Dane County Sheriff decide he wants to do? He says, well, look, we're not going to refer to them anymore. They're not inmates. We're going to call them residents. We're going to call them residents. Like, you know, maybe if your parents or your grandparents are at a senior living facility, they are residents. Now, if you pistol whip an old lady in Dane County and you're in behind bars, which, you know, maybe it's a better than even chance you're probably not going to be. But if you're behind bars, you're going to be a resident or you're going to be referred to as those within our care. Well, Cell Block 3, we've got a riot among the residents. Gee, Cell Block 6, one of those within our care just pulled out a shiv and stabbed somebody else within our care. No, they're not going to refer to them as convicts, or they're not going to refer to them as inmates. Now, I do seriously wonder how far this ends up going. For example, if you have somebody who's a murderer, well, you don't want them to be stigmatized. You don't want them to feel bad. So we're not going to call them murderers anymore. We're going to call them 
homicidally inclined. Or, or maybe, maybe you've got a, a rapist, and, and you don't want him to feel bad because he's a rapist. You don't want to say he's a rapist and he's doing time. So we're going to call them, I don't know, antisocially, sexually active, perhaps. Maybe that's the phrase. Or, or maybe you've got, you've got car thieves, and you know, you've got the person that's been stealing 15, 20 cars. Well, we don't want to call him a car thief. We don't want to say, hey, you were convicted of car theft. We're going to say maybe you're a transportation source over-aggressive pursuer. Maybe it's something like that. Or, or, or if, you're, if you're in there for assault, well, you're, you're, not, you're not assault and batterer. You're, you know, you're not a thug. You're just temperamentally challenged. You, you got upset. You see where this is going. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line i am sorry stuff like this makes my head want to absolutely explode this demonstrates and look and i understand it's just phraseology i I get it but this idea that we now have to bend over backwards to make sure that the person who is engaged in the antisocial behavior in the first place doesn't feel stigmatized they called me an inmate when I was doing time. This is absolutely crazy. Now, of course, maybe this is going to go over big in Dane County, and maybe this is going to start a wave of, we change the way we refer to people who commit crimes. But you know what? I think people who commit crimes should be stigmatized. Part of the problem is we don't hold people accountable. We don't condemn bad behavior. And yes, if you're a murderer, you are a murderer. You are not homicidally inclined. And yes, if you are doing time in Dane County, you are not a resident of the jail. You are a convict or you are an inmate. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I swear, I am not making this up. And the sheriff out in Dane County and a couple of the elected officials in Dane County, they are standing there applauding this. They say, hey, this is, this is great. We think it's going to reduce recidivism. Give me a break. The only thing that's going to reduce recidivism is if you create a disincentive for people to commit the crimes and as opposed to, oh, here, we're, we're going to have a hotel. What's next? Are they going to start room service at the Dane County Jail? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I don't. It's not fair to say that the sheriff is a complete idiot. I don't know about him. I will say this idea is completely and totally idiotic. 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. As you might expect, the phone lines, <laughs> the text line's exploding. Jeff, this is backwards. It comfort. Why don't we comfort the victim, not the offender? Oh, we don't care about the victims in Dane County. Um, what we care about is we we want the offenders. We want the criminals to feel good about themselves. Uh, Jeff, don't call it a jail. You'll make people. You'll make the residents of the jail feel ostracized. Perhaps we should start calling them state guest houses. That that's right. You know, we're, you're not in the county jail you're in the dane county guest facility jeff inmates i mean residents have cable tv i just have an over-the-air antenna jeff i know this is a serious topic and agree it's insane homicidally inclined however is one of the best terms ever yeah well th- this is this is what it is um right guards you right you're no longer a prison guard you you no longer work in the jail you work in the county guest house and and you're a member of the staff i swear 
you can I look, I understand. If you are listening to me today, you're going, Jeff, you're 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 making this up. No way this could be how things work. Well, yeah, that's how exactly things work. Uh, it's just it's just bizarre. Um, Jeff, now all fourth-year medical students will have to come up with a new name. I don't think they're going to want to be known as residents anymore. I- exactly. Oh, you're a resident. Well, that must be wonderful. Where are you doing your time? Well, I'm in the Dane County Jail. That's where I'm a resident. Oh, I thought you were at a hospital. Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. These convicts and inmates should count their blessings because if I'm the family member of someone victimized by them, I'm calling them something much worse than than those names, like something with the word "bag" at the end of it. And well, well, um, no, really we think, don't we so. don't do that. We, we can't do that, Jeff, because that that might hurt their abilities to um they might hurt their abilities to like reintegrate in society. You know, when when they get out, how how dare we stigmatize them? Don't you care about their rehabilitation? Well, I care about the rehabilitation, but but worrying about their feelings and changing names like this—that's getting to the point of being ridiculous. And and they need to talk to the, the family members that are victimized by by these convicts and inmates before they make these ridiculous decisions. See how they feel thanks about it. Thanks for the call, Jeff. No, thanks for the call. You're right. Well, no, they're they're victimized by the thugs and the criminals and the losers and the scum and dregs of society who are out there committing crimes. All right, let we'll, you know, we'll double back and talk a little bit about this 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 horrible uh, traffic accident that occurred. Now, I'm not saying accident. It, it was an act of murder. You know, Sunday afternoon, 76th and Silver Spring, you've got two guys driving 70, over 100 miles an hour. One of them hits a car, kills a 60-some-year-old man and a 20-some-year-old woman. Okay, so we're, refer, we're supposed to refer to this person who has taken two lives. Well, he's a resident. We're, we're going to make him a resident. We're going to make him an inmate. Uh, we're, we can't call him an inmate. He, he's going to be a, a resident at this particular place. No, you took two people's lives for god's sake yes we should be stigmatizing this um jeff we are in the age of wokeness just get used to it i've given up the liberals win yeah well that's kind of what it is i i guess and see and i'm sure in certain circles in dane county this is playing really well oh that sheriff he is so very progressive well okay that's great as far as it goes Eric and Racine says, wow, that must be some great Kool-Aid. They're drinking in Madison. This comes close to the most idiotic idea I have ever heard. I really get sort of frustrated, but it's not surprising. Um, thanks for the laugh. Well, it's, I, I, just, I tell you these stories because it's almost impossible to believe that this is what passes for, this is what passes for thought in 2021, and, and it, yet it is. Elvis in Milwaukee. Elvis, you're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks, Jeff, for taking my phone call. Um, I just think it's uh, ridiculous uh, all around. Uh, it's like you might as well give them a free pass um, and tell them to be back before dark. <laughs> well, right, because we. Well, thanks to call Elvis. And by the way, that's. I mean, of course, that that's what happens. You've got to work to get yourself put in jail. I mean, how many? I, I mean, you know, how many cars do you have to steal? How many uh, times do you have to get stopped for reckless driving? How many people do you have to rob at gunpoint before you're going to get prosecuted and get put in jail? You got to work to be put in jail. That is the bottom line. You've got to be trying. You've got to be incredibly antisocial for this to happen in the first place. And then 
once you finally manage to do it, God forbid we should refer to you as a convict or an inmate. Jeff, your current topic and not offending criminals makes me think of other ways we could do it. Judges in Milwaukee County that promote the catch and release program of putting criminals back on the street could also give criminals participation medals as they release them back into the community. See, that's an outstanding idea, perhaps, and some people would think it's great. Here, we're going to give you a certificate. All right. All right, I took my dog in last Wednesday. Took my dog in for, uh, she had her, her teeth cleaned, and they ended up having, to, there were two teeth that were broken, they ended up having to pull them. Okay, that's, that's fine. When, when she came out, they gave me, they gave Sasha a certificate of bravery. That's what the, the vet gave me, a certificate of bravery for how brave a little dog that was. I think this is exactly it. Maybe we're on to something now. All right, when you've got that guy in Milwaukee County, that, that kid that's now stolen his 20th or 30th car, and finally, finally the DA's office has decided we're going to issue charges, and finally it's gotten into the case, and the court finally says, okay, we're going to actually, we're actually going to require a little bit of time after you've stolen 20 or 30 cars, and I do not exaggerate. It gets that bad. So maybe in Instead of instead of sending them to jail or to again the the residence or the state control thing, maybe what they should do is we're going to give you a certificate of, of participation. Here, you know, you have congratulations, Mr. Car Thief. You have participated in the criminal justice system. I know it was tough. I know there was a stigma on you having to go through this, but here is your certificate of participation. Thanks, thanks for for playing here. It just makes you absolutely crazy. And this political correctness and this wokeness and this inability of politicians. And see, this is the bigger issue. There is an inability to hold people accountable, and that's why the crime rate is what it is. Because we have all these people in the criminal justice system that don't care about victims. That's just the reality. Oh, we care about it. No. All they care about is we don't want to send people to jail. We don't want to hold people accountable. We don't want to send too many of this type of person to jail or that type of person to jail, regardless of what crimes they have committed. We just want everybody to feel good about themselves. And meanwhile, crime is out of control. Decent people cannot drive on the streets without fear of being killed by people going high at high rates of speed. You cannot leave your car unattended on the mean streets of Milwaukee without coming out and finding it stolen, still over 25 cars a day being stolen off the streets of Milwaukee, and we're worried about, well, gee, some inmate might get upset if you call him an inmate, so now we're going to call him a resident. You cannot make this stuff up. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Here's a text. Jeff, I talked to a friend of mine I work with at the Waukesha County Jail. The guards say they now call the Waukesha County Jail Camp Hugathug. Yeah, see, I can understand that. That's This is it. We, we don't want to stigmatize the, the inmates, the, the criminals here. That, that's it. You're not going to the county jail. We're going to give you, I don't know, a summer vacation to Camp Hugathug. How about that? But that's what the criminal justice system has, in fact, become. All right. Yesterday we talked about this, these, these deaths of the two people on Sunday afternoon, 66-year-old man, 21-year-old woman, 76th in Silver Spring, second time in a week. Drag racing cars have hit and killed people who were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And what really should get your attention about this is this could be you, this could be me, this could be your spouse, this could be your kids, your grandkids, could be your friends. All, all these folks were 
was driving on 76th and Silver Spring at 7 o'clock at night when they got in the way of these two drag racing thugs who could care less about the lives of anybody. So, I mean, here's the deal. You've got now the Common Council president calling on the Department of Transportation to physically make changes to roads that would cut down on reckless driving. This is the same Milwaukee County, uh, that Milwaukee City Council that says, okay, we've got people stealing cars, 25, 26, 27 a day. Let's contact the car manufacturers and complain that they're making it too easy to steal. This is the same guy who's now saying, well, we need to change the roadways to make it a little more difficult for people to drive 120 miles an hour. Now, look, I don't have any problem if you want to do some redesigns of the roadway, but that's not the problem. The problem is that you've got people that are driving 120 miles an hour and don't think that there's anything wrong with this. Tom Barrett, he's out saying, well, they're murderers. They're murder murder people, and they have to be treated like it. Well, the mayor is right as far as it goes, but where has he been for the last five years? Where has he been for the last 10 years? Why doesn't he show up at one of these press conferences with a list of the names of all the people in the city of Milwaukee in the last year, it would be a long press conference, who have been charged with reckless driving. And why doesn't he list all the different things that have happened or not happened to all those people? And why doesn't he start naming names of the judges who haven't held people accountable or the DAs who have decided to plea bargain or no charge cases? I mean, that's the only way that this is going to change, is to get elected officials who are willing to do more than just give lip service to the horrors that are going on there. And what you have to do is you have to start by calling out the people in the system that aren't doing their jobs. But the problem is the politicians don't want to do that because they're afraid they're going to alienate certain elements of the the community. Oh, well, gee, if you're calling for, I don't know, to incarcerate car thieves, for example, don't you realize that there's a disproportionate number of this type of person or that type of person who's out there stealing cars? So we don't want to call out the system them for not prosecuting them, because then you're going to have some community activists who are going to be all bent out of shape that, gee, we started prosecuting car thieves, and that means that we've got, you know, X type of people that are being dragged in front of the system. How terrible is that? Well, it's not terrible at all. And the problem is, as long as the mayor and the members of the Common Council and the members and the DA and the DA's office and the judges and the Children's Court judges, as long as they tolerate this crap, and that's what they have been doing, it's not about Tom Barrett showing up with a press conference saying they're murderers. Yeah, they're murderers. Everybody knows it. But where is your responsibility? Where is your responsibility for allowing conditions in the city of Milwaukee to get so out of control that these type of murderers are allowed to flourish and this stuff becomes commonplace? See, that's the big issue, and that's where nobody is willing to stand up and, and be accountable. And, yes, I understand, finally you have somebody, in this case, you know, two people that died Sunday, two more people that died last Sunday. Well, yes, the, the people that killed them are going to be prosecuted, and, yes, they will become residents or those who are under uh, residence or or those who are residing at our facilities. Yeah, that's going to happen. But every time somebody drives 95 miles an hour in a stolen car and blows through an intersection, this could be the result. And the fact is the chattering class and the politicians in Milwaukee aren't willing to call them out. They're not willing to call out the judges. They're not willing to call out the DAs. And until they're willing to do this, this stuff is going to go on. And until the voters in these different communities are willing to toss out these politicians who tolerate this, you're going to have to live with it.
Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're broadcasting live from the club at Lock LaBelle. It's the introductory WTMJ Golf Classic. Golfers are out on the course. I am in the sort of parking lot right outside the pro shop and the main entrance to the course. We're broadcasting live from our mobile broadcast facility. It is a beautiful day. I actually have a text here. Jeff, I totally agree with everything you said in the last half hour. Hope you took your blood pressure pills this morning. <laughs> yes, I, I do not take blood pressure pills, but... Yeah, it is. It's just, you, you just, I'm sorry, you get worked up over this stuff because it's the same stuff that happens. I've been doing this radio show for 23 years on WTMJ, 26 years in this market, and, and it's gotten worse and worse and worse. And people die and people get injured and we have politicians that are unwilling to call out the people who should be called out for not doing their job. And now it's a point where you can't leave your car on the street in Milwaukee for fear it's going to be stolen. You cannot drive on Silver Spring or Hampton or North Avenue or any of these other connector streets for fear that you are going to be killed in one fashion or another. And, yeah, we, 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 we want to spend $330 million to extend the streetcar. That's coming up later on in the program. That, that's what we're concerned about. Let's extend the streetcar. Why don't we try to make intersections safe for people to drive? But I digress. Okay. A friend of mine called yesterday and invited Fran and I, my wife and I, to uh, the uh, show at uh, the the American Family Amphitheater on the Summerfest grounds on Thursday night. I think Maroon 5 is playing. And, and we said, yeah. Uh, because I haven't, I have not been in. I haven't seen the new amphitheater. Thursday night was clear. I, I thought I really enjoy the company. The people invited us, so I thought it'd be kind of fun. And and the one caveat was they said, well, you need to, in order to get in, you're going to have to prove that you are in fact vaccinated. Now that that's not a big deal for my wife and I because we are in fact vaccinated. I've got the vaccine cards and I've got uh, papers downloaded from our hospital records and on my phone I've got photographs of the vaccine cards. So I'm covered with that. It, it's not it's not a big deal. And regardless of how I feel about having to prove that you're vaccinated or whatever, it, if I want to go see the show, it, it's, it's not an inconvenience. I, we're vaccinated. It's not a deal. But more and more venues are, in fact, doing the same thing that, that Summerfest has. I'm just looking at multiple stories. Major event venues in Madison are now all requiring proof of uh, vaccinations for COVID-19. This is the Alliant Energy Center, the Majestic Theater, the Orpheum. They're all saying that they're going to, uh, this is what they're requiring. If if you want to go and you want to see shows and you want to see events, this is what you're going to have to do. The Los Angeles Raiders football team, they announced yesterday that if you want to attend a Los Angeles Raiders, I'm sorry, Las Vegas, Las Vegas Raiders football team, if you want to attend a game, you have to have proof that you have been vaccinated. You know, no ifs, no ands, no buts. I've got a handful of stories in front of me uh, talking about how, you know, various bars, Chicago and New York, are requiring proof of vaccination as a condition of, of getting in. So the the bottom line of this is agree with it or disagree with it. This is the way of the world. More and more places are simply saying if if you want to to come in, you're you're going to have to prove that you're vaccinated. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to get vaccinated, but it does mean that if you want to go to a Raiders football game in Las Vegas or you want to go to a concert, Live Nation, which is the giant concert promoter that puts on 
many, if not most, of the big touring shows uh, across the country. They announced that effective, I think, October 1st, you know, vaccination was going to be a requirement or I think a negative COVID test within 72 hours. But, you know, vaccination, proof of vaccination was going to be a criteria for, you know, getting into the show, which is one of the things that Summerfest CEO Don Smiley alluded to when he was talking about some of the reasons why Summerfest did what Summerfest did. It's because, hey, the promoters are, in fact, demanding this. So the reality of all this is that you don't have to get vaccinated. But if you don't get vaccinated, you're not going to be able to go to concerts. You're not going to be able to go to ball games. You're not going to be able to go into many restaurants. You're not going to be able to go to movies. You get the idea. There's going to be a limited range of things that you can, in fact, do. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. How are people going to handle this? If you are unvaccinated, your choice, I mean, are are you simply now going to be willing to say, I'm going to give up going to all these things? I used to love to go to X Games, or I used to love, I'd go to all these different shows, or I used to love to go to Summerfest, but I'm not going to get a COVID test every time I want to do it, and I'm not going to get vaccinated. Are you going to be willing to give up those, those activities? And I guess the flip side of this is, are the venues, the restaurants, are they going to be able to pull this off? Will there be enough people that refuse to go that all of a sudden the attendance drops by 20 or 30 percent? Look into your crystal ball. How do you think this whole thing is going to play out? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Will Will the requirement that you need to be vaccinated to really start to, again, do a lot of the stuff that I'm sure people enjoy doing, will that be the incentive to get people vaccinated, or will they simply be willing to stay home? 855-616-1620. How's this going to work? Who's going to give in? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Don't go anywhere. Jeff Wagner is back right after this. One of the most popular, affordable, family-friendly restaurants in Wisconsin is the Mind Chef in Hartford. WTMJ's John Merck here. Here, I am a big Mind Chef fan. So are my daughters. Great memories have been created there. Like on Taco Tuesdays, big tacos are just two ninety nine. Margaritas three ninety nine. What a great lunch or dinner! Your kids and grandkids will love the Mind Chef's two million dollar game room, secluded from the dining area. The kids can safely play while you finish your dinner. That's perfect. Have your next birthday party for the kids at the Mind Chef. That huge game room, your kids are going to love that more than ever. No cooking, no cleanup, and you're going to love that. The Mind Chef's hiring servers. You can make great money, including a $500 bonus after three months. Inquire today. Start next week. So don't cook. Take your family to the Mind Chef for tacos today. Every Thursday, buy one pizza, get one free. Place your order now. The amazing Mind Chef restaurant in downtown Hartford. And now... The Magnificent Mineshaft in Oshkosh. Been there. Love that, too. Google Mineshaft Restaurant. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Akin Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. This is, this is the way the world is shaping up right now. And, and I, I, just, I offer this an observation of, of the reality. More and more places, whether it's restaurants, 
whether it's concert venues, it's the Las Vegas Raiders football team, all around, places are saying, uh, if, if, you know, I'm going on a listener trip in a couple of weeks, in order to, to get out of the country, you have to prove that you're vaccinated. This is, it's the new, it's the new norm that's out there. More and more places are saying, You've got to be vaccinated to come in or ha- have proof in the last 72 hours that you tested negative. I, as a practical matter, somebody, hey, I'm going out to dinner for a fish fry on Friday. I'm not vaccinated, so I'm going to go in on Wednesday and get my COVID test. I, I just don't see how practical that's that's going to be. My question is, what what is going to give? Are people who are not going to be vaccinated, are they simply going to say, okay, I'm worn down, I want to go to movies, I want to go to concerts, I want to go to restaurants, so I'm going to get vaccinated because I don't want to go through all this? Or instead, are they just going to dig in their heels, say, we're not getting vaccinated, you can't make us, and is the, where are we going to see attendance at ball games and restaurants and venues like Summerfest and all the different uh, facilities in Madison and concerts all over the country? Are we going to see attendance plummet because you can't go in unless you're vaccinated? 855-616-1620. Let's start with Mike on the northwest side. Mike, good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon, Jeff. Hey, I think that the venues are going to end up winning out at the end here with the need to be vaccinated. Uh, like, you have to be 21 to drink at a bar. You're going to be back, need a vaccination card or something that says you can go in there. Uh, I think they're going to end up winning out in the end. Uh, people are going to give in, I think. But on the other hand, there could be a new uh, rise of venues that say, hey, no vaccination required, and draw those crowds. I well, really don't know, know where it's going to go, but I think it's, it's going to end up being a law. Yeah, thanks for the call, Mike. I I appreciate you know that is the interesting thing because I mean right now, at least in this context, we're not talking about government action. We're not talking about the the government saying in order to come into a restaurant you have to prove you're vaccinated. Right now, we're talking about the restaurant owner or the the promoter of the show or the Las Vegas Raiders saying you have to be vaccinated. So it's it's not government action, and I guess that is the interesting thing: is will there be enough blowback so that if I'm the owner of Jeff's Bar and and Grill? And all the other places in the surrounding community have been, okay, you've got to prove you're vaccinated. And I say, well, no, I, I tell you what, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to require you to prove that you're vaccinated. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to encourage people to follow CDC guidelines, but I'm not going to require it. I'm, I'm not going to be checking vaccine cards at the door like you would check IDs. You know, will the free market respond? And would people start pouring into those particular bars? I don't know the answer um, Either eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, let's see. Um, I'll just go on the internet and get a fake vaccination card. I mean, see, a lot of people are, are saying that it's easy to fake the, the cards. I, I I don't know about that. Like I say, I, I've got my I've got the real one. Jeff, some events might suffer a bit at first, but as more and more events and places have the vaccine or negative COVID test requirements, I believe people will adjust to it so the events will flourish. The people I know who have not been vaccinated are the same ones who swore they would never wear a mask. Well, when masks were required everywhere at the height of pandemic, they ended up wearing the mask. I just now this is this is a this is different. There, there's no question uh, about it. This is a different sort of thing because you're talking about an injection as opposed to, you know, just putting on, on the mask. But I, I do think, it, I mean, I guess I'm trying to play this out in, in the real world. And if there was, 
I, okay, the, the Brewers haven't talked about doing this, but the Brewers make the playoffs. You've got a chance to get tickets to go see the, the Brewers, you know, play the Dodgers in the National League Finals or the Giants, whoever they're going to play, and your buddy offers you tickets. But the condition is that, that you, you have to be vaccinated. Well, I, I don't know. I guess the question then becomes to me, are, are you going to say, no, I, you know, I, I'm not vaccinated, so I'm, I'm not going to go. I, I just I don't know how that thing is going to play out in the real world. I think what is going to happen as a practical matter is more and more people are going to be inclined to get vaccinated because the hassle of not being vaccinated is going to limit their ability to do a lot of stuff that they enjoy. Jeff, my hope is that enough people will say no and medical freedom will be restored. Um, yeah, um, Jeff, I also, I, I don't think comparing 21 to drink and getting a vaccine to enter, I don't think that that's a fair comparison. Um, 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Um, Jeff, follow the money. Once these businesses lose money and can't stay in business, they will change their policy. Well, that's the question. Will this hurt more than it helps? For example, I have I have no question that there are, and I'll, I'll use Summerfest as an example. I'm a huge fan of Summerfest, but look, let's face this is the reality. There will be some people who would have been otherwise inclined to go to Summerfest who aren't going to go to Summerfest because, number one, they're not vaccinated, and number two, they don't want to go to the hassle of going to wherever you have to go for, you know, two days before Summerfest to get the negative COVID test. So they're just not going to go through the bother, and they're not going to go. A smaller number of people are probably going to say, well, I wasn't inclined to go to Summerfest because I didn't want to be among crowds, but now that I know that everybody there has either been vaccinated or had a no, you know, has, has tested negative for it, I'll feel more comfortable to go. Now, I think in the real world, there's no question that the larger number of people are going to be in the, um, you know, we're, we're not vaccinated, we're not going to go category, as opposed to, hey, now we feel safer, so we weren't going to go otherwise, but now we're going to go. But how many of those people there are, I, I legitimately, you know, don't know. Nancy in Burlington. Nancy, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi, Jeff. Hi, you know, I was telling you, your screener, I'm, I'm 63. I'm an RN. Um, I remember lining up for the sock. uh Polio vaccine. My kindergarten teacher had polio. I've taken care of people with post polio. I had measles. I had mumps. I had rubella. I had the chickenpox. I re- I remember all of that. Was when when vaccines first came out. I have a smallpox scar. Was there this blowback then about getting vaccinated? Weren't we all excited? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, before my time, I guess I think it, it's it's tough, though. I mean, OK, you're a nurse, Nancy. Is it fair to compare covid with with polio? Because the reality is and I, look, I'm, I'm not downplaying covid. So I don't mean to do that. But right, the reality right. is mo- most people think of measles and smallpox. OK, well, uh, is it fair to compare? Is, right. But is it fair to compare covid to like smallpox? I mean, y- yes, there if you are most people who get covid recover and, and are just absolutely fine. Now, there, there's a, a small subset, especially, you know, the more vulnerable and stuff, immune compromised people who have bad results. But I mean, is 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 COVID the same as smallpox or, or polio? Well, there's there was sterile boys 
blindness yeah. from measles. Um, mm-hmm. My husband was hospitalized for six days with COVID. Um, I brought it home from the nursing home. I was in a small nursing mm-hmm. home with 70 residents. We lost yeah. 10 of them. Um, I, don't, I don't ever want to go through that again. I, I yeah. left the skilled nursing to go back to hospice to get away from it. Right. Um, right. I don't. I don't know. I was terrified. Yeah. God. Well, thanks for calling it. I mean, I, I just. I mean, look. I don't. I don't have the definitive answer to these questions. I, I think because look, no, nobody wants to get COVID. At, at the same time, and I'm not minimizing the effect of COVID. For for most people, you know, vaccinated, vaccinated or not. COVID is not going to be a death sentence, which doesn't mean you want to have it because you, you, you just you just never know when you might have that reaction. Here's an interesting text. Jeff, I'm vaccinated, but I won't go to any establishment or activity that requires me to prove it. I think it's none of their damn business, which is kind of a that, that's sort of an interesting thing. I mean, like I say, I, I haven't been in a situation where you have to prove it. I'm, I'm going to go to the concert on, on Thursday night, and I guess my, my plan is just to take my phone or the picture of the vaccination card and show it. I, I don't have any problem doing that. I, I wonder, are there is there that other subset of people who are vaccinated but just don't think that they should have to prove their medical status? I, I just don't know where we're going, you know, with all this and how this whole thing is, is going to play out. Jeff, because the vaccination rate is about 50-50, I don't think it will benefit or harm businesses no matter which policy they enact. Huh. Don't know. I, I think the vaccination policy is going to hurt businesses. Big picture. How much it's going to hurt them, I, I do not know. Will it motivate some people who are just on the fence to get vaccinated? You know, it could be. And there are some people probably who just, you know, haven't thought about it. We had the story yesterday. Melissa Barkley had the story that at State Fair, it's like 600 people got vaccinated at the State Fair and they got a three-pack of cream puffs. Well, it wasn't the cream puff. My guess is these were people who were always open to get vaccinated and just hadn't they hadn't had the we hadn't made it easy for them to get vaccinated so they took advantage of it i don't know but you're going to have to be making these decisions if you are in fact not vaccinated the way of the world right now is that there's going to be more and more places that shut their doors to you you know no shirt no shoes no service how many places don't know and how those people who otherwise would love to go out to a friday fish fry but now can't go back to their favorite place how they react we're going to have a better idea from that in a, in a few months. Don't know what that future is going to look like. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Actually, the, the program originates, I guess, from Radio City, but I'm actually on the road. We're at the club at Lock LaBelle in Oconomowoc. It's the first annual WTMJ golf outing. Everybody's out on the course enjoying themselves. I'm here with a beautiful view. Great day. And as we've been telling you about all day, there's an online auction that's going on. Um, opportunity to raise money for a very, very good cause. All right. As I was getting off the air yesterday... President Biden decided to interrupt his his vacation and give an address to the United States and the world about the debacle that was going on in in Afghanistan. And I I think there was a lot of people who were wondering what exactly was it that uh, Joe Biden was going to say. And as it turns out, 
um, Biden was, I think, very, very defiant. Biden took the approach that not his fault, nothing to do with him. He inherited a poorly negotiated deal from his predecessor, Donald Trump. And so if you're upset with all the stuff that's going on, don't blame him. Now, of course, that's 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 complete bull because Joe Biden has spent the first eight months of his presidency undoing everything that he could figure out how to undo that Donald Trump did. If Joe Biden did not want to pull the troops out of Afghanistan on the timetable that that Trump had agreed to, well, he, he could have easily not done that. But Joe Biden wanted to get out of Afghanistan. Joe Biden has been arguing for the last 10 or 11 years that we have no business being in Afghanistan. So Biden is like, well, I, I just the, the evidence that the Afghanistan government collapsed as quick as it did. That's that that's evidence that they weren't fighting hard enough. Their leaders flee. Um, you know, it, it's it's none of which is is my fault. You know, it, it's all these other people's fault. It's Trump's fault. It's the government's fault. Of course, interestingly, he he never blames the Taliban for this. But but that's that is an aside. Um, he sort of downplays this, and we played the, the tapes yesterday about how he said, okay, this isn't going to be Saigon, but instead it, it was Saigon. Instead of taking responsibility, he just, again, repeated the stuff about mil- Americans who are you know, tired of you know military missions that go on and on. Um, he framed it as a civil war, and it really never was a civil war. But Biden, Biden is like, don't, don't blame me. It's it's not my fault. I had nothing to do with this. And if you're upset, well, I'm upset too. But this was all inevitable. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't know about you, but I am not buying, buying what Biden is selling. And I, I think his effort, in my opinion, to try to shift blame is nothing short of appalling. To me, reasonable people can disagree as to whether we should have pulled out of Afghanistan. I mean, we've had a major troop presence in South Korea since the end of the uh, Korean War. We've had a major troop presence in Germany, for example, and in other parts of Europe since the end of World War II. You know, we, we've had a, a troop presence in Japan. You know, we, we've had troops all over the world at the end of conflicts to provide stability, and they continue that way. The, the commitment of troops we had at the end in Afghanistan to keep the peace was very, very small comparatively. It was 2,500. There hadn't been a single U.S. casualty in more than a year in Afghanistan. So it's not like we had huge resources that were plugged in there. But, okay, that being the case, you can still understand how, you know, people want to get out. And and Biden wanted to get people out. And I, I get it. I understand that. My beef is less with the fact that he decided he wanted to pull those troops out with the way he did it. And this idea that he does not bear responsibility for the debacle of the withdrawal, I think, is absolutely ridiculous. 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If we were going to pull out of Afghanistan, it should have been systematic. It should have been, all right, first what we're going to do is we're going to get the American citizens out. Then we're going to get 
all the people who have been working with us over the course of the last 20 years, we're, we're going to get them out, and then we're going to clean out the U.S. Embassy, and we're going to get rid of all the documents that we don't want seized by the Taliban, and only after we have done that in a systematic, organized approach, okay, then, then we pull the final troops out. That's how it should have been done, and that's not how he did it. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think? Are you buying that Joe Biden bears no responsibility for the way this was handled? I don't accept that. And candidly, I think those images from yesterday, you will see them over the next couple years if Biden chooses to run for reelection. And you'll see them in the November midterms next year. And by the way, there's a lot of Democrats who know that. And that's why they're out there criticizing Biden for the appalling way the last week has been handled. 855-616-1620. We discuss in a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's a text. Jeff, I'm glad the U.S. is out of Afghanistan. We went <clears throat> to fight terrorism. Do you want to stay there? It's one or the other. No. No, it, it, it's, it's not. That's a false choice. It's not a question of should we have stayed. I think, again, I, I, was one of the, I don't think you can have endless wars, and I am not convinced that a permanent U.S. presence is a necessary sort of thing, just like, uh, unlike, say, for example, we've got U.S. troops in, in Korea, and, and that's been permanent. We've got U.S. troops in Japan. We've got U.S. troops that, that are in Europe. That's a permanent thing. The 2,500 troops that we had in Afghanistan was, was small compared to our commitments at other places, and there hadn't been a single U.S. casualty in at least a year. But let, let's put that aside. I think you can make a compelling case why it, it it's time to, it was time to get out of Afghanistan and let let's see what ends up happening. That's not my beef, but the way we do it, there's all sorts of different ways that you you do things. Talk to anybody in the military, and what they will tell you is that <clears throat> there's ways that you can stage a departure or or a retreat. You can either just drop your guns and, and flee overnight and run as fast as you can, or you can have a, a systematic planned withdrawal. And and that's what we should have been doing. Instead of coming out and simply saying, okay, by September 15th or whatever, all the troops are going to be gone, that, that, was, that was a dumb move. That, show, that gave a, just a, a green light to the Taliban to start moving in because they knew that we would not do anything. What we should have been doing is a drawdown. And as I said a couple minutes ago, we should have been systematically moving the U.S. Embassy out, moving American citizens out, moving those Afghanis who worked with us, who we were going to, you know, bring out and relocate to the United States. We should have been doing that before you simply pull the troops out and get rid of all the air power because at that point in time, you have the chaotic scene that occurred yesterday. So, you know, that's the situation there. Uh, here's a text, Jeff. Joe Biden owns this mess. It will be his legacy. History repeating itself. The end of Vietnam, Saigon 1975. <clears throat> well, it, it, it is Saigon 75. It's, um, you know, also probably, you know, perhaps you could say it's, it's Tehran, you know, 1979. It's a situation where we completely and totally mishandled 
the withdrawal. Jeff, how do we know there wasn't a withdrawal plan that you described? There was no way to predict the Afghan military would have lasted a couple weeks. Well, I don't know that there's no way to do it. That's why if the U.S. military presence had remained in Afghanistan, even at a minimal level, even at a minimum level, until you had gotten the American citizens out, until you had gotten the the Afghanis out who you were going to get out, as long as you had that military presence, there was not going to be this rout of the country by the Taliban. Now, I do understand that Biden and his advisors just badly mis either misrepresented to the American people or misunderstood how weak the Afghan army was. And I think either one would be a pretty severe indictment. I mean, did you either not know or did you know and did you lie about it? And if you didn't know, how could you not know that stuff? But it would have been all the more reason to make sure that you had an American military presence that was in place until you got everybody out. That, to me, just ends up making sense uh, as to how you, you do things. But there was this rush to pull out. We're going to get everybody out. And don't worry, this isn't going to be Saigon. Well, it was exactly Saigon. Jeff, Biden and his administration blew it. First, the president of the United States should not be telling terrorists what our strategy is by pulling out. If any soldier told the enemy our date of moving out, they would be charged with treason. Well, I think that's a pretty good example of that. Jeff, can you believe the Taliban can have a Twitter account, but Trump can't? We are pretty messed up. Yeah, you, you, we are messed up. Jeff, staying really wouldn't have cost much <clears throat> with respect to America's safety. Now that we are gone, do you feel more or less safe? Well, I think there's no question the world is destabilized. I, I don't know that we in the United States are, are more likely to see another 9-11 Uh, just because the Taliban is taking over. That part of the world is a lot more destabilized, though. There's going to be huge issues going on with Pakistan. There's questions now with China. You've got Turkey. You've got Austria, who are um, worried about a flood of, of refugees as millions of people try to get out of Afghanistan. And all of this was predictable. Now, in fairness, I went through this yesterday. This isn't all on Biden. This has been screwed up. From the beginning, and, and bear with me if you weren't listening to the program yesterday, if you want a good starting point on, on where you go with Afghanistan and you want a pop culture reference, go back to the movie Charlie Wilson's War, which was Tom Hanks, it's a Tom Hanks vehicle that, that taught, it was a, a dramatized version of this gadfly congressman out of Texas in the 80s, Charlie Wilson, who got involved with the CIA and he started making arrangements for the U.S. government to arm the rebels in Afghanistan who were fighting Russia. You know, and because, I mean, Afghanistan is a Stone Age. I mean, as I said yesterday, it's the Flintstones with surface-to-air rockets. And and what we did is we provided provided the, the various tribes and things like that. We provided them with weapons. They used those weapons to fight Russia. Russia leaves in disgrace. And it was a great opportunity for the first President Bush and for Bill Clinton to come in and really, if we wanted to try to promote democracy in that region, it was an opportunity to do it because for, for just a small amount of money, we had this huge war-torn country. We could have started building roads. We could have started building schools. But we had no interest in that. 
We, we, we just did. We pulled out, left them to their own devices, and then what you had is that every crazy terrorist in the Middle East poured into Afghanistan, and it led to the rise of the Taliban. All right. So then after 9-11 happens, you know, we go in after al-Qaeda, and the Taliban had been supporting al-Qaeda. We pretty much destroy the Taliban and al-Qaeda. And instead of then allowing the Afghan government to, like, negotiate some sort of peace with the Taliban, we, we, we don't let them do it. And so the Taliban becomes these guerrilla fighters. They never go away, and they gain power over the next X number of years. George Bush took his eye off the ball, the second George Bush, George W., because he wanted to go into Iraq. We, we should have finished what we started in, in Afghanistan, and for just a little bit of diplomacy, and again, a small amount of money helping rebuild the country would have been a different result. Barack Obama comes along, and Obama, I think, what uh, quadruples the, the troop commitment in Afghanistan. He he accelerates it. Then Trump comes along. Trump wants to get us out of Afghanistan. He negotiates a deal with the Taliban where he doesn't include the government. It was just bizarre, and he sets a date. And then Biden can't wait to get us out, and then you end up with yesterday. So a lot of blame to go around. But for people who say that yesterday's developments were inevitable, I'm sorry, I think you're wrong. The fault with Biden isn't necessarily pulling out of Afghanistan. It's the way he did it. And, yes, I understood he said, well, the buck stops with me. He might have said it, but that's... You, you could tell that's not what he was saying when he was pointing all these fingers, blaming everybody else for the situation that he had. Whereas if he would have just, I don't know, waited a little bit, been a little bit more on the ball, been with it instead of being on vacation, maybe, just maybe, we would not have seen those scenes of chaos that we did yesterday. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. And, and, and by the way, there is pretty much bipartisan agreement that the Biden administration blew it. I'm looking at a story in the New York Times today. Quotes, uh, for example, Jason Crow, who's a Democratic representative from Colorado and a former Army Ranger who served in Afghanistan. He says, we didn't need to be in this position. We didn't need to be seeing these scenes at Kabul airport with our Afghan friends climbing a C-17. We should have started the evacuation months ago, which, which is the point that I've been making. It's not a question of, you know, do you get out of Afghanistan? It's how do you do it, and don't you do it in an orderly fashion? Another Democrat, Seth Moulton, Democrat from Massachusetts, former captain in the Marine Corps, said that for months he'd been asking the administration to provide a refugee plan. I was very explicit. We need a plan. We need someone in charge. Honestly, we really haven't seen the plan. They had weeks of opportunity. They had an amazing coalition of liberal and conservative Conservative lawmakers, all who were willing to support the administration in this effort. Um, but in, in my mind, this is what he says, it wasn't a national security mistake. It was a political mistake as, as well. And the, the idea, again, it's not should we have sent more troops there. It's not should the troops have, have come home. It's the idea that, okay, you did this in such a haphazard fashion that it endangered it endangered American troops. It led to all this carnage. And, and we ended up having to send more troops back in there to affect this. I mean, this this is the problem with this. It's not a question of, you know, had our mission been accomplished? It's not a question of should we have brought people home? It's not a question of was it really too much of an expenditure to keep 2,500 American troops in Afghanistan? It's not was the Afghan government willing to be propped up or was it worth being propped up? Yeah, you know, that 
none of those issues mattered. It, it really doesn't. It was you don't do it the way Biden did it. And if it's true that he really had no clue that things were going to be as bad as they were, what does that say about the rest of the presidency? What does that say about his advisors? What does that say about you know his judgment if you could misunderstand the situation in Afghanistan as bad as you did? Okay, th- does that mean that we can't trust any information we have coming from anywhere else in the world? Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Welcome back. We are broadcasting live from Oconomowoc. We are at Club Lock LaBelle. It's the WTMJ initial golf classic. The weather is absolutely perfect. People are having a lot of fun. I think right now we're at a point where some people have played their nine holes, even more. Folks starting to come in. Everybody's having fun. Hope you can participate and join us next year. And like we said, we're talking about this online auction. If you text the word golf, you can see a number of the items that are still there. All right. As if we have not had enough controversy about the the whole issue with vaccines and and the fact that we're really getting to a point of two Americas. You've got people who have been vaccinated and people who haven't been vaccinated. And that that middle ground is just it's disappearing um, because if you look at the polls, there's a lot of people who say that they're really they're not persuadable anymore. And so I I think that's going to be kind of what the reality is. So, okay, on top of this. We now come out with the latest stuff that the Biden administration and the CDC and the Food and Drug Administration are apparently going to push. As soon as this week, it appears that the Biden administration is going to announce that most Americans who have received a coronavirus vaccine, so if you've already been vaccinated, they're going to announce that you will need more. You will need to get booster shots to combat waning immunity and the highly transmissible Delta variant. Um, apparently, the administration's health and science experts are, are coalescing, is the phrase I'm looking at in the story in the Washington Post, around the view that people will need boosters about eight months after being fully vaccinated. They expect that the move will be announced as soon as this week. They're not going to okay the administration of boosters until mid to late September because by that time they believe that the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines will both have been um, cleared by by the Food and Drug Administration. So the idea is going to be all along, that the message that we have been getting from the, the CDC and from the FDA, as, as soon as July, and this is only August, in July they told us Americans who have been fully vaccinated do not need a booster shot at this time. In recent days, they've said, well, never mind. And what they believe is that now they're going to recommend that people do get booster shots and again, the, the number that they're thinking of is probably about eight months after you had the initial shot. So now we're really fighting a battle on two fronts. First of all, it's trying to convince people who haven't been vaccinated that they should get vaccinated. And now it's apparently going to be convincing people who have, in fact, been vaccinated that now you need to get vaccinated again eight months or so after you got your second shot. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How do you feel about this? Now, if you have, in fact, been vaccinated, 
Do you have any problem, do you have any issue with going back and getting another, in this case a booster shot, um, a relatively short time after you got the first round of shots? 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I candidly think that this is going to be a tougher sell than, than some people might think, in part because... There were a lot of people that had adverse reactions to the, to the shots. And I'm not talking about hospitalized. I'm not talking about dying, but reactions to the, the first, either the first or the second shot. And I think that there was kind of the sense of relief that was out there. Oh, I've got my two shots. I'm protected. I, I've got this. I've got the antibodies. Um, and yeah, it was worth it that I felt like crap for a day or two or things like that. So I, I mean, I, I think. There were a lot of people who kind of felt this sense of relief and the fact that we were told, hey, you do this and you're going to have a degree of protection. I think, I think before people get on board with another round of booster shots, this soon after the original shot, there's going to need to be a lot more compelling evidence of breakthrough cases. Right now, the number of breakthrough cases is very, very small. It's 0.1%. I mean, it's a couple hundred thousand out of, you know, a hundred plus million shots. I think before people are going to be convinced to get that booster, a lot of them are going to need to see a lot more evidence that it's necessary than merely the Biden administration and the CDC, who changes its opinions on stuff like most people change their socks. I think there's going to need to be a lot more compelling evidence. I just don't believe that people are going to run out automatically and get that booster. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How is this going to play out? We discuss in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're just tuning in, the Biden administration is about is going to announce later on this week that uh, never mind that, that that shot you got, that, that vaccination that you got, well, it, it may not be effective after about eight months and that you're going to need a, a booster shot. Now, last month, just last month, both the FDA and the CDC said, no, Americans who've been fully vaccinated do not need a booster shot at this time. And so now the question is, well, you know, what do you do? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's an interesting text that I think sort of summarizes how I feel. Now, I had COVID last November, okay? A mild case for me, very, very lucky. Had antibodies. And so I... I I'm sit- I was sitting there thinking, actually, when, when the vaccines became available, you know, I've got antibodies. And matter of fact, I even had my test. I've got antibodies. Do I really need to get the vaccine? But okay, everybody said you should have the vaccine. So I went, got both shots. So I'm now fully vaccinated, and I've got the antibodies. And I assumed that that would protect me. Well, now apparently I'm being told, well, it, it, may, it may not after just another couple months. And honestly... I, I'm wondering, uh, who, who do you believe? Is, this, or is it possible that the vaccines might not be as effective as they originally thought? And I understand that science changes, but, you know, has it changed that dramatically in the last month? So here's a text that really got me thinking about it. Jeff, I'm a guy of science, and I've had both my shots. 
I'm sick and tired of the CDC saying we don't need this, and then one month passes, and then they change their mind. Just wait. The 2022 COVID variant will prove the booster shot to be ineffective, and then you'll need another one. Then you'll need another. Until the statistics start showing that the two shots are completely useless, I do not plan to get the booster. Well, I'm not anti-vaccine, and I'm not necessarily anti-booster. And, yeah, I get a flu shot every year. But I guess I, I do wonder, especially when we're dealing with a new form of vaccine, I, I wonder if the people that are saying this, do they know what they're talking about? Well, of course, they're, they're doctors. They know what they're talking about. Well, well, do they do they really know what they're talking about? Because what, where is going to be the data? Now, look, if if eight months after the vaccines... Um, has started to be administered. If we see a huge number of breakthrough cases showing that a large number of people who were vaccinated are now starting to get COVID again, okay, well, well, maybe that's an indication that the vaccines do, in fact, wear off. But we're not seeing that right now. Right now, this is nothing but theory. Because as it stands right now, again, the, the number of breakthrough cases, this is people who are vaccinated who get sick, it's 0.1%. It is a staggeringly small number. It, it's not zero because no vaccine is 100% perfect. Now, maybe after eight months, you'll start seeing that 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 breakthrough rate increases, 5%, 10%, 20%, 30%. If it does, at that point in time, I think you can say, hey, look, here are the numbers. We we are seeing this. A lot of people who got vaccinated, it protected them for a period of time, but six or seven months from after the vaccination, the vaccination is starting to wane. It's not effective anymore. You need the booster. And maybe the numbers are going to demonstrate that. But right now, it's all it's all theory. And I think the Biden administration and the CDC and the FDA, by coming out now saying, well, we're going to require you or suggest or recommend or urge you to get a booster in eight months where you don't have the data showing the failure of the current vaccines, And the fact that they only last, if it's going to be eight months, I think that that's, again, they do a huge disservice to themselves. And it contributes to this whole idea of do they really do they really know, you know, what they're talking about? Wouldn't it make more sense to say, all right, we're we're going to wait and see. And if all of a sudden we do have a huge number of breakthrough cases and we find that, gee, all of a sudden lots of people after eight months or nine months, they've gotten vaccinated and now they're now getting sick again, that's a justification for saying, hey, you need a booster shot. But right now there's no data like that. It's just these different theories that they're operating under. And one of the things that we know, and I'm not an anti-vaccine guy, we know that the scientists haven't done a really, at least in my opinion, great job of trying to predict, you know, how the whole COVID thing is going to work out, starting with the, no, you don't need to wear masks. Now everybody's got to wear masks, this and that and the other. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and, you know, um, you know text line. Now maybe if, if they were just targeting this to the immunocompromised, I mean, if it's a situation where, hey, you've got, you're 92 years old and you've got diabetes and you've got you know, heart problems and things like that, and if you get COVID, it, it's perhaps a death sentence, that, that sort of case, well, okay, maybe that's a justification for getting the booster shot because you figure, okay, the, the 
disease is definitely worth than, worse than the cure. But my concern with this is by telling everybody you're going to need a booster shot, that is in one way or another saying that the first stuff isn't working, or at least some people will interpret it as that. And as somebody that says, you know, as somebody that, that wants to see more people get vaccinated, it's kind of, I think it's troublesome. I I don't know how this is going to play. A lot of people are going to say it's no big deal. I'm going to go out and I'm going to do it. It doesn't matter because I get the flu shot every year and I do these things. But there's going to be a good percentage. I don't know if it's 20%. I don't know if it's 50%. But there's going to be a good percentage of people who got vaccinated the first time because they thought they were protecting themselves, who I don't believe are going to be willing to go out and get another shot unless and until there is compelling evidence that you need it. And at least so far, that, that's, not, that's not the case. At least I don't think so. Uh, Jeff, Pfizer vaccine, not very effective after 146 days. Um, well, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Again, there's th- these different, there's different tests out there. There's different studies that are out there. They're all over the map. Um, now, here's somebody saying, well, there's a study in Israel, 50%, 50% of the people who got the shot are now getting sick again. You're citing obsolete data. And I understand if, if you're one of the people who want to panic about COVID and think that the world is ending, well, that's one of the things you do. You find some of the studies that have some of the more alarmist sort of stuff, and then you, you go with it. And, and that's, that, that's all well and good. I just don't think people can be scared into doing quote-unquote the right thing. I think you have to present the evidence there. And if we're going to say that the vaccines are only good for six or eight months, well, then we should come out right away and be up front and say, okay, we've got all these studies out there that have convinced us that the vaccines are only going to be good for six months. Now, if you say that, though, the problem is nobody's going to get vaccinated. So it is a catch-22 as to how you, you do it. I'm just telling you, I think that there needs to be very, very compelling evidence. And this has been the problem with the CDC all along. They've, they've made decisions like going back to the mask mandates and stuff based not on large-scale studies, but, gee, we, we looked at something that happened over a weekend in Massachusetts, and it's one of the reasons why people lose faith in, in the CDC. They need to be transparent. They need to be consistent. If they're going to come out and say that the vaccines that you need a booster after eight months, well, then what they need to do is they need to have documentation behind it, and they need to make that argument to the American people, because otherwise the message that a lot of people hear is that the vaccines don't work. And that's not the message that I think that they want to convey. How this is all going to play out, I I just I, I don't know. Um, don't know. Karen in Greenfield. Karen, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. I just got notified last weekend, this last weekend, that my son, 34, and his bride of age 29 had breakthrough cases of COVID. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, they felt miserable. I mean, granted, they probably didn't have to go to a doctor or didn't end up in the hospital or anything, but they got breakthrough cases. Two of my brother's friends ended up with breakthrough cases. And okay, well, but, like, uh, but, but what, what's your takeaway from that, Karen? I mean, my takeaway from what you said is that the vaccines didn't work for them. So why would a, because it, it hasn't no, been eight no, months. No, 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 no. Like, 
Not at all. No, not at all. My takeaway is that this Delta variant is something to worry about, that it's spreading. The vaccines didn't work for the, the, no, so the vaccines didn't work for the Delta variant. That's what you're saying. That's your takeaway? Well, it did, it did work, but it didn't work totally. It, it's keeping them safe out of the hospital, granted that, but you can still catch it. You well, can well, still sure, but I guess. And, but then what different? What does it? Do, what difference is a? I get. But here's here's my question. What if if your let let's say your son and daughter had been vaccinated for three or four months, pr- presumably. I, that would be my guess. Vaccinated for three or yeah, four months. Yeah, they got it when they, they were eligible. Yeah. Right. So so three or four months they get it. So obviously it didn't it didn't stop them from getting it. What? Why would a booster shot make any difference? Because the original vaccine still should have been effective, and it didn't work for them. See what I'm saying? That, that's what I, I. And unless they're going to say there's something different in the booster shot that's going to deal with the Delta variant, so then it becomes not a booster, but just like a different shot. I guess that's that, that's the issue I'm having here because it didn't work well, for your. Well, it's not your, the booster your, that needs to change. You, we need to get better i guess antibodies because the delta variant is different from the original now granted if it it was the original they probably wouldn't have gotten sick but because the delta variant is more virile it's it's so you need a different shot and it's more so you need a different shot you need a different shot to deal with delta yeah and right now with the booster they're probably saying that if we give you the booster, we don't have a new shot yet, but the booster might right. take care of it. And yeah. we okay, have thanks for calling. Okay. Right, no, thanks for calling. See, that, I guess that, that's, see, that's, that's my point. If, if, if the CDC decides that this Delta variant is so different than the other stuff, that the original shots we got do not protect you in any sort of meaningful fashion, other than, I understand, you're, you're not going to go to the hospital, you're not going to die, but you're still going to make get sick. If instead of saying you need a booster, you if we're going to say you need a different shot, like you get a different flu shot every year, that's always a variation, well, that, that might be a different story. But that's at least the way I understand. That's not what they're saying. They're not saying we've got a different shot for you to deal with a different strain. They're saying, okay, well, we're going to give you another dose of the Moderna or the, another dose of the Pfizer. This, again, but these, these are the issues that you've got to confront. If you want to sell people, all right, what we gave you, it protects you against the original stuff. It doesn't have enough great protection against Delta. Here, we've got the different shot. Okay, if that's the argument you want to make, I understand it. Make that argument and then... Then, you know, but that's not that's not what they're doing right now. I'm sorry. I mean, the CDC has been all over the map, and this is another example, I think, of the lack of transparency that, that's out there. What exactly are they saying, and why do you need it? If we want to say that the original shots don't give you a sufficient protection from catching Delta, we've got a new shot that's geared to Delta. Okay, I get it. Make that argument. But just, oh, let's get a third dose of the same thing. Sorry, I, I think that's going to be a tough sell to the American people, or at least a lot of them. Back with more in just a couple of minutes. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show, broadcasting live from the club at Lac La Belle. It's the introductory WTMJ 
golf outing. I, I've been here working, doing the show from our mobile broadcast facility, but a number of my teammates have been out and about. Just Melissa Barkley just came in. She's been she's been on one of the golf holes, interacting with the players and things like that. Here, you got to just then push that button down. Okay. So yes. you, you've been out. You've been out. You were. You're on hole eleven. Hole, you were on hole eleven. Hole eleven. Um, it was me and Scott Warris from the Night Show. Uh huh. So we've been out there welcoming people here and just playing some really fun games games with them, um, letting them tee off and then yelling things after that. Okay. Like four or like you know just some random movie quotes. Okay. Whatever it is. Yeah. Huh. So well, that's it's, just it's been that's, a good time. That's just what I want when I'm playing golf. <laughs> I want somebody like yelling random movie quotes as I'm getting ready to hit the of ball. Course, and stuff of course. Of like course. It's all about having fun here today. I, I I understand, and people are in fact having fun. That's they your are. report from the field. Yes, absolutely having fun and really just um, enjoying the beautiful day that we have. It is a wonderful day. On the course, day. perfect out there. It is a wonderful day. Well, okay, good enough. Well, I, I know you got to get ready because you have this like little program coming up in about 50 minutes I or do, so. Yeah. So, yes, <laughs> you're off a whole 11. I get that. I, I love that yelling random things at people who are <laughs> teeing, are teeing <laughs> yes. off. I, I was I was playing golf. A true story, I was playing golf um, on, on Sunday in the afternoon. It was like four guys, and we were playing with our, our spouses. And um, it, it was. It was sort of my my wife. She's a cheerleader, and her voice carries. You know, so she, they were playing behind us, and and at various points in time, typically right as you're in your backswing or something, you'll hear my wife yell, "Great shot, Michaela!" And it just kind of like carries. And but she's a cheerleader. She's not like yelling. I mean, she's always just yelling. You know, "Great shot, Michaela!" That was just absolutely super. And um, one of the the other ladies they were playing with, my my friend Linda, she has this amazing ability. She, she she talks constantly. She, she talks in her golf swing. I mean, it, it's just like, for most of us, you know, you want to be kind of like quiet. No, like Linda will be carrying on a conversation. It's her turn to hit the ball. She's just carrying on the conversation as she's hitting the ball. Well, Eric, I think I, you know, I, I think we really should go out to dinner on Tuesday. That's what, you know, without missing a beat. It's actually, it's an amazing thing to, to see because most of us are kind of like, you know, let me, let me concentrate on, on trying to, to hit the ball. I actually have always thought that golf would be more interesting if you could heckle. I, I mean, look, the, the golf ball isn't moving. You know, it, think about these baseball players. You know, you're a baseball player. You're standing 60 feet away from the pitcher. The guy's going to be throwing a hard ball at you at 98 miles an hour, and you got people in the stands yelling, you suck, you suck, and, and they're supposed to hit it. I mean, come on, these golfers, they should be able to hit. The ball isn't even moving if people are out there heckling. That's one of the things I would do if I was going to change the golf rules. Okay. The MPS board is getting ready to meet. And, and I am, my question to you is going to be, would, would this work? See, I am intrigued with the whole idea of, of COVID vaccines. And if you've been listening over the last couple of days, it's not to me, does an employer have a right to say that you have to get vaccinated? The question is, is that the right thing to do? You know, should, as a condition of your employment, should an employer tell you that you have to get a particular shot? And, and reasonable people disagree with that. I, I've seen, and I know that there's a lot of, of employers out there who, in particularly in the healthcare field, who are now saying, you've, you've got to get vaccinated. And if you're not vaccinated by October 15th, if you're not vaccinated by November 1st, whatever the date is, you're going to, we're going to fire you. And I, clearly, that is 
That's the stick. You know, you hear about the carrot and the stick. That's the stick to force people, hey, you don't want to lose your job. You, you've got to get, you, you've got to do this. And the question that I have been posing somewhat rhetorically is, will employers really follow through on that? I mean, if you look at a health system that has trouble finding people to work at anyway, you know, health system, they can't find people to work at assisted living facilities now. So let's say, you know, 25% of the workforce in the assisted living facility isn't vaccinated. You know, come November 1st, are you really going to fire 25% of the workforce? And, and how are you going to cope with that? Um, on top of that, <coughs> you also get the question of when it comes to, like, nurses and stuff. We, we can't find enough nurses to do the jobs that we need to do now. So are, are we going to... Seriously, on November 1st, if 15% of the skilled nurses at a hospital aren't vaccinated, are you going to really fire those 15%? And how are you going to replace them? And again, I, I don't know the answer, and I don't know, and I'm not certainly not encouraging somebody to play a game of chicken with their job if they need it. I, I'm just wondering how this is all going to work out. Well, here's a different context. Um, the um, MPS which always has a ton of trouble trying to find teachers and trying to find, you know, people to work in the school facility. MPS, uh, some of the schools open today, others open after Labor Day. So there's an interesting story. The head of the school board, who um, used to be very active with the teachers' union, once, I'm looking at a story in the Journal Sentinel, once the school district to consider a vaccine mandate for the staff, um, there's apparently a resolution that's going to be considered by school board members today that would direct MPS administrators to research the possibility of a mandate. Um, and then they used, this, for example, like Summerfest and the Paps Theater Group are requiring vaccinations as an ability to get in. And so what, what they say is, if these venues are requiring vaccination proof, shouldn't we do the same for schools in Milwaukee, where we have tens of thousands of teachers? So um, the, the question would be, if MPS or other school districts were to impose a vaccine mandate... You have to be vaccinated or else you will lose your job. Would that work? Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And by, when I say would that work, I mean, is that, is that practical? Can you say to, and again, this is, I, I, I'm a pro-vaccine guy. Uh, the booster shot, I've got to wait a little bit to the side on. But I'm a pro-vaccine guy, and I think people should get vaccinated. But if you have 30% of your workforce right now that's decided they don't want to get vaccinated, and maybe, maybe of that 30%, maybe you could say, all right, if you don't get vaccinated, you lose your job. Maybe a third of those people then get vaccinated. But that still leaves you with about 20% of the workforce who isn't vaccinated. I mean, can... For example, a school district like MPS, can they play a game of chicken like that? Could they really, as a practical matter, fire people for not being vaccinated? Now, maybe the, the middle ground is if you're not vaccinated, you're going to have to get tested you know, every two or three days to try to make it so onerous that people just you, you wear them down and they get vaccinated. But can you, in a school setting, 
given that we can't find enough teachers now, given that we can't find enough people to work in cafeterias, given that we can't find enough school aides, can you really impose a vaccine mandate and expect that you're still going to have people who will come to work? 855-616-1620. Let's start with Chris in New Berlin. Chris, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. As a recovering okay. attorney, you of all people should understand that it does get challenging. If you've got an assisted care facility where someone gets sick and dies and you did not require your employees to become vaccinated, your legal liability went through the roof. From a practical standpoint, it's not practical, but they've got to do something because the downside is someone died and it's your fault. Well, the flip, okay, but uh, I'll give I'll give you the flip side, recovering lawyer perspective. So let's say that you you get rid of twenty percent of your workforce, and you know it could be ten, it could be thirty. Let's say so now you're understaffed to begin with. You've just gotten rid of twenty percent more people, so you can't offer the same standard of care. And somebody gets sick and and dies because of that, you're getting a lawsuit for that as well. You're you're kind of in a no win situation. So we agree it's completely impractical on both sides. Thanks for the call. Yeah, I mean, no, it, I, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, thanks for the call. I, I, I mean, it's, it's a mess is, is what I'm saying. And I, I guess in particular, uh, I, I think you've got a more compelling argument in the healthcare area. And I appreciate what your example is, uh, you know, where where you're going to be dealing with people who are, are sick. I, I'm just wondering, I mean, how do you run a school? If if given the fact that we're, we're struggling in many school districts, particularly a lot of, like, big urban school districts like, like MPS, if, if we're struggling to get teachers in the first place and we're struggling to get administrators and all the, these other people, if you're going to lose 20% of your workforce... And again, maybe maybe it's ten percent, maybe it's thirty percent. I don't know. But if you're going to lose ten, twenty, thirty percent of your workforce, how how do you go about doing business? Now, again, maybe the 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 escape valve of this isn't to say you're going to be fired. It's to say that you're going to be tested a lot. Now, I know that there's healthcare facilities who, up until now, that's how they've been approaching it. If you're not vaccinated, we're, you're, you know you're going to have to get tested twice a week and things like that. And they, they they make it so onerous that they try to force people into it. But if you're just going to flat out say the choice is vaccination or fired, I mean, can MPS, as a practical matter, can they do it? Can they make it work? Bill and Oconomowoc. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Uh, hello, uh, Jeff. Great topic. By the way, yes, they can make it work, and here's why. It's a, a case of responsibility. It isn't just the individual. It's the people that they're responsible to. In fact, if we had the culture we've got today, back when I think it was Jonathan Saw came up with the polio, polio vaccine, which I lived through, uh, we would have been devastated. We're devastated today. That's why over a half million, pushing three-quarters of a million people are dead. Okay, Bill, Bill, but I, but Bill, I want to, I, Bill, I want to, I want, I want you to focus on, I guess, my question here, which isn't, you know, are vaccines desirable or not? It's if you have a workforce of a hundred people, twenty of those people have decided for whatever reason they're not going to get vaccinated. Can, can you, if you fire them, can you replace them? Can you really run, continue to run easily, your business? Easily, easily, easily. Let me give you a case in point. Easily, let me give you a case in point. Many restaurants are finding that if they request a COVID card, they're getting packed. They're getting packed. People want to go 
where they're protected. I, I can give you restaurants that, that are doing that. Now, if we learn from private business that the more people are protecting themselves from each other and very worried about being responsible, it's a solution to the problem. We can either be part of the problem or part of the solution. The solution is you don't have to work for MPS. You can find a job. You have the perfect right of going wherever you're comfortable yep. not being vaccinated. But in a culture society that we have, we should be educated enough to realize medicine is the answer. Thank you. Okay, well, thanks for calling. Bill, again, I, you know, I guess that's... I, I understand, and, and maybe that's the question. You know, why why aren't twenty or twenty five percent or whatever the percentage is of, of people who are working in the school system? Why aren't they vaccinated? But but if that's if that's kind of the reality, um, I, I don't know. You, you kind of say you say easily. I, I think that's dismissing a problem. I think if if all of a sudden. October fifteenth rolls around, or November first rolls around, and of five hundred employees, you've suddenly got to let 50 or 100 go if you don't think that that's going to cause huge disruptions um, to the school system with regard to, okay, what do we do with class size? What do we do with, um, you know, how do we, if, if we've been working on trying to keep class sizes small to begin with and social distance, now we've got, you know, X percentage less teachers. It's just, it's something I think people need to think about before they draw these lines in the sand and say vaccination or not. The escape valve, again, might be if you're not vaccinated, you got to get tested a lot. But but before MPS jumps into something like this, I think they really need to figure out what what's going to happen on October 15th or November 1st if a significant percentage of employees still haven't been motivated to get a vaccination. And, and don't be surprised if that's the case, because like you say, Bill, there, there are other avenues. Avenues, maybe these, especially if they're good teachers, they can probably find some other school district to work in that's not going to require that of them. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. All right. We just got done with the State Fair. Today is the in- initial edition of the WTMJ Golf Outing. Well, coming up in a couple of weeks, there's something else going on. Oh, yeah, it's Summerfest 2021, scheduled for September, which, as Don Smiley pointed out to me the other day, still is summer. Tell you what, want to get you in the mood for it? I've got a four-pack of tickets to give away to caller number nine. Caller number nine at 855-616-1620 wins a four-pack of tickets to Summerfest 2021. So caller number nine, check that out. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, we have our winner of our Summerfest tickets. We will have more four-packs to give away as the week rolls on. Uh, just a couple wrap-ups, a couple interesting texts on our, on our last conversation, which, <clears throat> again, I, I just... I, you know, it's one thing to talk about stuff, and it's another to figure out how that stuff will work in the real world. And so the MPS board is apparently going to consider a vaccine mandate for all MPS employees. Okay, okay. That, that sounds great. Fine, as far as that goes. But, but what happens if 20% of the workforce doesn't get vaccinated? 
are, are and, and you, you can't find teachers, you can't find school age, you can't find cafeteria workers now. What, what are you going to do if you get rid of twenty percent of your workforce? And again, it might be a smaller number, but ten percent. Imagine that. Um, here's a text, Jeff. The idea of putting more restrictions on. <clears throat> The idea that that putting more restrictions on becoming an MPS employee will result in more teachers is nothing short of of crazy. And I guess that's the point I was making. Jeff, my brother lives in Ohio, and he says that the hospitals that have mandated vaccines have found that they have nurses leaving in droves. And and I guess I'm, I'm intrigued by this because I know, I don't want to say several, I know a couple people who are nurses, skilled nurses at at, at these facilities who have, for a variety of reasons, made the decision that they're not going to get vaccinated. And they have been very clear that that they will they will leave their job um, rather than become vaccinated. And, And they have all sorts of different reasons for it. And these aren't crazy people who think that there's microchips planted in the serum. They, they, they have their, their reasons for them, and they're not going to get vaccinated. Now, that might be a bad decision, but they're willing to give up their jobs. I think they are confident that they'll be able to find something else. But, you know, what's going to happen to these facilities that don't have enough nurses anyways if all of a sudden you lose 10 percent? I, I ask this rhetorically, but before companies start drawing lines in the sand, I think they got to think this through. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner.